This episode is sponsored by the publisher Griffin House. They have a lot of books for early childhood education. Go to their homepage, griffinhouse.com. G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, house.com. Welcome to today's edition of Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. Today we are going to hear Kathy Lee talk about early childhood leadership. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, so today I'm sitting here on Skype and uh, with me is Cathy uh, Lee and uh, she's in Georgia. She is an author and a speaker and she often speaks and uh, writes about early childhood education and she also uh, talks and writes about early childhood leadership. So welcome to the podcast, Cathy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, and I'm excited to do this talk because we are going to talk about the book you have published. It's called Solutions for Early Childhood Directors. Yes, it is one of my favorite books that I have written. And I have had so many administrators share with me how much they've benefited from that book. So mm. glad we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and, and what is the background of this book? How did it kind of start? Well, I was an administrator as a young lady. I started first as an assistant about the age of 23 and then became a director around 24. And as a young director, there were so many basic questions I had about being an administrator in early childhood, and I couldn't find the answers to these questions, like how to run a proper staff meeting. How do you talk to an angry parent? What do you do when you have staff fighting amongst each other, gossip, those kind of basic things that administrators have to deal with. And so once I worked through those situations, I thought, well, if I'm feeling this way, Maybe some other people are feeling this way, and so I decided to write the book. Mm. And, and actually, I love the book. I have done what, a lot of reading in early childhood uh, leadership books, and this book is a bit special because it's very hands-on. So this is kind of real challenges that a, a leader meets, and you kind of give uh, uh, some, uh, some answers to how to deal with it. Yeah, just real practical things, you know, so you can just flip to the page you need. It's not something you're going to sit down and read cover to cover necessarily. It's going to be something you grab in the midst of a situation and hope that I've written about it. Most likely I have. Hmm. And then you have some you call uh, your chapters challenges, and you have divided these challenges up into kind of some groups. So we have staff, children, parents details on directing a center, uh, the center itself, and community. And, and is there a certain kind of uh, order to these uh, sections? Well, I just thought it was important to break them down so it would be easier, again, for the director to use. I wanted this to be, just like you said, a real hands-on 
quick to grab kind of book. So I did think there are sometimes we have challenges that deal just with parents, right? We we have parents who are upset because their kid was bitten. We have parents who were upset because um, their child was crying when they picked up those kinds of things. We have specific issues with staff, you know, staff gossiping with each other, um, trying to get staff to become leaders, trying to lower our turnover those are specific so I just thought it'd be easier for a director to find her way through or his way through the book if I broke them down according to those different um, areas different people that we work with as an administrator yeah. and, and do you have any feeling about which sections of the book are most used by leaders Oh wow, that's a great question. You know, I've heard I've heard all sections being used. I mean, I've definitely had administrators tell me they were just so thankful I addressed a certain topic. You know, gossip probably is another number one. I did an entire webcast recently just on the topic of gossip, so I know that is one that I hear over and over that has been useful. And, and do you think there's a specific problem with, with gossip in early childhood centers? I do. Um, as a former administrator and teacher, I have definitely witnessed that firsthand. It does seem to be this close-knit, I think, group of women and men who work together. Majority of the field in early childhood is women, mm. and I do think we tend to um, find things to talk about. I do think parents also do that. You'll have one parent who um, maybe has a concern about her child, and then will ask another parent, and that can often be like a wildfire starting so I do suggest some specific ways to help deal with gossip help cut that down and, and I think that's been helpful and do you, do you think there's more gossip in early childhood centers than elementary schools uh, not necessarily I think anytime you get a group of people who work together every single day and have opportunity to share and you're talking about personal things personal we're dealing with children we're dealing with lives you know we're not selling dresses or selling coffee so it's very interpersonal so I do think that's why yeah, exactly. um, these type of situations gossip happens more in those type of programs and elementary probably just as much as early childhood mm. and maybe you can talk us through so when you take up a chapter which is called how to handle gossip how do you kind of go about this issue go about the writing about it the actual yeah. gossip issue yeah the writing well, about it yeah yeah you know for me it was just i looked back on my experiences i looked back on the phone calls i had to make to other leaders and asking for advice i tried to put myself in the situation that an administrator might find herself or himself and and write from that perspective so it, i made it very practical for example you know, you have a you have a staff member who comes up comes in and is very upset because she hears that people are talking about the reason she's late, and so then I give them advice of how to go go about that. I mean, I suggest that you go talk to the people directly. You'll never go wrong by talking to the people directly. So I write all that down in. I give them the step by step. This is what you do first. This is what you do. This is what you do to help um, eliminate gossip in the future or to minimize it in the future. So I just kind of walk them through scenarios and I think those practical scenarios gives them the confidence to take it on where it actually happens. Mm. Yeah, and then kind of the end of your chapters you also give uh, a suggestion to more books or more information about the issue that you write about. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because again, for me, I was out there searching, trying to find out good information to deal with these scenarios and situations, and I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, I definitely don't know it all. I even when I wrote that book some years ago, um, I know more now, you know. And and so there are other people out there who are more seasoned than I am, who've been at it longer than I have. And so I wanted to point directors to those resources so they could have that all in this one book. They can not only have my experiences, but also the expertise of other people. Hmm. Yeah, and the book is actually, as you say, it's a rather old book. It's from 2003, but it has just been reprinted. Um, yes, well, it is selling great. You know, it is interesting. We have not made any changes, however. I do feel maybe we, it's time for some more solutions. So maybe we'll add another book in there because there are some things that aren't in the book. To be honest, like social media has really taken on its own life in the world of early childhood since I wrote that book. So I do talk about social media in classes, and that is something I would like to see um, dealt with. Probably another issue that need some practical tips for administrators. Yeah. And, and and I think this book is a bit special because most leadership books in the early childhood area, they are more talking about what we could say transformational leadership. So it's about how to inspire your staff and it's about setting up a vision. But, but your book here is, is much more practical. Why, why do you think there are so few books that kind of deal with these practical issues? Well, I really think we overthink it. Yeah. I think we we believe people don't need the practical. And I have really learned that we cannot assume that anyone knows the information we know. And I think that's where we all get hung up. We think, hey, that's too basic. They don't want to know that. That might, you know, we need to give them these big grand ideas. And those things are great. Building a vision is phenomenal. I'm a big fan of having a clear vision for your program. However, if you don't know how to keep your staff from turning over, it's not going to matter. If you don't know how to communicate clearly with the parent, it's not going to matter. If you don't know how to help children deal with anxiety, it's not going to matter. So I feel that we just overthink it. We just we skip some basic steps. We go to the icing without the cupcake. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and, and I, as, 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 as I say, I think this book could be like a complement to many other books. Uh, is, is there one kind of leadership book which is more on an overall, overall level that you think this book matches very good? Um, I do think that... Um Deb Curtis, Margie Carter and Deb Curtis, I think I'm going to get their names wrong. I always flip them. Um, they have the visionary leader. And, again, that's a little bit broader, but it's still practical, a lot of practical solutions in there. Those two women do a great job of giving um, giving some practical solutions to the real issues that administrators face. So anything written by them. They've written many books for administrators, and I'm a big fan of their work. Exactly. Uh, I will just dig into some of the issues that you mentioned, uh, that you mentioned about directing a center. And there is one chapter which is called, Why is it important to know your strengths and weaknesses? Why, why do you think this is an issue that we need to dwell with in leadership? Well, I think it's super important to be aware of what you're good at. And it's 
equally as important to know where you need to work and be willing to work. I'll use myself as an example. When I became a new administrator, I was so confident that I could inspire anyone to do anything. So I went full force trying to convince my staff that they needed to wear dress clothes to work and not jeans because I wanted them to be professional. So it's my strength to really inspire them and get excited. However, part of my weakness is not thinking things through sometimes. (laughs) And I did not think that all the way through that when I instruct teachers not to wear comfortable clothes and blue jeans the consequence is those teachers are not going to be on the floor and involved in sensory experiences with young children so I quickly learned that wait a minute I need to back up and think all the way through so once I learned that about myself and willing to say okay when you make a decision make sure you you really look at all angles before you put that into practice before you make that a policy that's important the other one for me just personally in communicating I enjoy communicating I don't often enjoy listening and so I will miss things that people say to me in important conversations because I'm one of those people who always think about what I'm going to say next or I'm always you know worried about what they're going to say and I'm going to respond and so I've had to learn to just stop, keep my mind focused on the questions coming at me and wait and not interrupt and then respond. So had I not learned that weakness about myself, I wouldn't have been able to improve that. So it's so important that we are able to look at ourselves objectively and also ask other people to give you feedback on what they see and and take that, you know, take that as growth opportunity for yourself. We all need to grow and be better as a leader. Exactly. And maybe also a big part of the job as a leader is to actually to use yourself to to kind of inspire other people. So you are very much in the center yourself as a leader. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You are the one that sets the tone for the entire program. Mm. And then I'm going to dig into two other chapters here. You have one chapter about how to conduct room observations. Mm. It's, it's your impression that in America that uh, directors, they do a lot of room observations? I don't think they do as much as they need to. I think it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day managing of the program and making sure you know, the staff have the supplies they need, the parents are not complaining, that I don't think administrators take the time to sit in a classroom and just watch what is going on and take it in and see how are the children interacting, how is the teacher interacting with the children, how is the flow of the classroom working, are the teachers planning individually for these children. I think that's so important to make sure that you're offering quality care that you say is that you are in that classroom. The other thing it does, it lets that teacher know that you are for them when you are in the classroom, that it matters to you what's happening in that classroom. I hear so often from teachers that they don't know what their administrator does. I do a lot of teacher training, and the administrators don't attend the training, and often we're talking about things that really do apply to everyone. And so when the teacher when the director gets out of her office or his office and gets into the classroom, it really does boost uh, moral, you know, boost those teachers and help them know that they're important. 
and it helps the director know how to direct a teacher if she is missing something. It gives her the opportunity to offer guidance. Mm. You can't do that if you're not in the classroom observing. Mm. And it sounds to me that you kind of put the relationship between the director and the uh, teacher and the director and the children in the center as well because I think sometimes when we talk about observation we talk about it's all about the teacher himself but actually uh, to do an observation is also for the director to learn about the children and the teacher and what is going on in the classroom Absolutely. I believe these programs, early childhood programs, are a community of learning. And I think in order for the administrator, she should be or he should be the one that knows the most about early childhood, right? I mean, they should be the one leading all of this. So they should be the one that understands what's happening in these classrooms so that if anything, like I said, needs to be tweaked or adjusted, Maybe she can see it. Often a fresh pair of eyes can see something that maybe the teacher's not seeing every day. So they, she might observe because something's happening in a classroom. A child is hitting. A child is unhappy. But she also just might make it part of her routine to go into classrooms on a regular basis and take the time to observe interactions. I think that's powerful for a program. Do you advocate for kind of, how shall we say, prepared observations where you kind of really go in and take some notes and then you have a post-observation conference? Or do you think observation should be done more naturally and more kind of a part of your walking around? I think both are beneficial. I don't think it should be an either or. I think it should be a both and. Mm, okay. Yeah, and then let's move on to the next uh, chapter, and this is kind of uh, a bit different. So the next chapter you have is how to create an inviting office space. <laughs> yes, I, I'm so passionate about this. When I first took over as an administrator at a school, there was a desk only, and for me, that did not make an inviting space. I want people to come in and feel freedom to sit and communicate. And we know that when you have a desk or a table between someone when they're trying to talk, that creates a barrier. And I want them to feel like, again, I can lean in and I can offer a Kleenex. So I'll have a table with Kleenex and, and maybe, you know, a couple of pieces of candy or something sitting there. I'll do like, I suggest like a love seat or sofa and a chair that you can put at an angle, you know, at a right angle together so that you can see each other. You can have a better eye contact. You can see body language better because we know that communication is not just about the words that we say. It's how we say it. It's what's our, what is our body um, showing? What are our facial expressions? And often when you're sitting at a table, you just are, again, that immediately says there's a barrier. And when you have this inviting space, fresh flowers or green plants or, you know, things that say this is a comfortable place to be, parents and staff feel more comfortable coming in and having sometimes difficult conversations. Hmm. And, and, and do you think also that it should be inviting for the children as well? Absolutely. For the children, I don't necessarily think the space, like in, in a director's office, is the most inviting. I think what's most inviting about that is that that administrator is out and about, that she sees the children, that she's on the children's eye level, that she is willing to get down herself, and she is the inviting environment. Hmm. 
exactly yeah um, yes and people can find this book at the Griffin House uh, book company homepage and I think I would like just shortly to talk about your other books Kathy Okay, yeah, thanks so much. Um, I love this book I wrote called 101 Easy, Wacky, Crazy Activities for Children. It is a basic, developmentally appropriate, process-oriented book. It gives you quick and easy things to do with children, toddlers through school age. If you are running out of ideas, this is the book for you. Mm. Um, Also, I have a book called The Homegrown Preschooler. It is a great book written for Anyone who wants to educate a child in a home environment, a family child care environment, it's actually being used in co-ops and even preschools. And then our, my newest book is actually a full curriculum. It's called A Year of Playing Skillfully. And you can find that at thehomegrownpreschooler.com or kathyhlee.com. It is a full developmentally appropriate curriculum um, for ages three to seven. Mm. And so I just am having so much fun inspiring educators and parents and administrators to make a difference in young children's lives. And, and does this book, uh, what was it called, the... Uh... The, late, the last book you talk about? It, the curriculum, A Year of Playing Skillfully. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one is not published by Griffin House. Um, it is by the Homegrown Preschooler. So you can find that on the homegrownpreschooler.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. And does, yeah. It, does, does it kind of follow the general curriculum in schools? It does in in early childhood programs, yes, or in child development centers. Oh yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is a play based a play based program, but it does cover every developmental area. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Katie. The time has run so quickly. <laughs> it has. It has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and thank you for being on the podcast. And all the best to you. Same to you. Take care. Yes. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you have gained some new insights into leadership. I hope that you will listen to the other podcasts in this series. A new podcast is being published on the first of every month. You are also welcome to join us on Facebook. There is a group called Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. If you just type in the name of the podcast in the search field in Facebook, you will find the group. Once again, thanks for listening and bye-bye.